Chapter Two of the Lesson of the Master by Henry James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. As they all came out from luncheon, General Fancourt took hold of him with an "I say, I want you to know my girl," as if the idea had just occurred to him and he hadn't spoken of it before. With the other hand, he possessed himself all paternally of the young lady. "'You know all about him. I've seen you with his books. She reads everything, everything,' he went on to Paul. The girl smiled at him and then laughed at her father. The general turned away, and his daughter spoke. "'Isn't papa delightful?' "'He is indeed, Miss Fancourt. As if I read you, because I read everything.' "'Oh, I don't mean for saying that,' said Paul over it. I liked him from the moment he began to be kind to me. Then he promised me this privilege.' It isn't for you he means it, it's for me. If you flatter yourself that he thinks of anything in life but me, you'll find you're mistaken. He introduces everyone. He thinks me insatiable. You speak just like him, laughed our youth. Ah, but sometimes I want to, and the girl coloured. I don't read everything. I read very little. But I have read you. Suppose we go into the gallery, said Paul Overt. She pleased him greatly, not so much because of this last remark, though that, of course, was not too disconcerting, as because, seated opposite to him at luncheon, she had given him for half an hour the impression of her beautiful face. Something else had come with it, a sense of generosity, of an enthusiasm, which, unlike many enthusiasms, was not all manner. That was not spoiled for him by his seeing that the repast had placed her again in the familiar contact with Henry St. George. Sitting next her, this celebrity was also opposite our young man, who had been able to note that he multiplied the attentions lately brought by his wife to the general's notice. Paul Overt had gathered as well that this lady was not in the least discomposed by these fond excesses, and that she gave every sign of an unclouded spirit. She had Lord Masham on one side of her, and on the other the accomplished Mr. Mulliner, editor of the new high-class lively evening paper, which was expected to meet a want felt in circles increasingly conscious that conservatism must be made amusing, and unconvinced when assured by those of another political colour that it was already amusing enough. At the end of an hour spent in her company, Paul Overt thought her still prettier than at the first radiation and if her profane allusions to her husband's work had not still rung in his ears, he should have liked her, so far as it could be a question of that in connection with a woman to whom he had not yet spoken, and to whom probably he should never speak if it were left to her. Pretty women were a clear need to this genius, and for the hour it was Miss Fancourt who supplied the want. If Overt had promised himself a closer view, the occasion was now of the best and it brought consequences felt by the young man as important. He saw more in St. George's face, which he liked the better for its not having told its whole story in the first three minutes. That story came out as one read in short instalments. It was excusable that one's analogies should be somewhat professional, and the text was a style considerably involved, a language not easy to translate at sight. There were shades of meaning in it, and a vague perspective of history which receded as you advanced. Two facts Paul had particularly heeded. The first of these was that he liked the measured mask much better at inscrutable rest than in social agitation. 
its almost convulsive smile above all displeased him as much as any impression from that source could whereas the quiet face had a charm that grew in proportion as stillness settled again the change to the expression of gaiety excited he made out very much the private protest of a person sitting gratefully in the twilight when the lamp is brought in too soon his second reflection was that though generally averse to the flagrant use of ingratiating arts by a man of age making up to a pretty girl he was not in this case too painfully affected which seemed to prove either that st george had a light hand or the air of being younger than he was or else that miss fancourt's own manner somehow made everything right overt walked with her into the gallery and they strolled to the end of it looking at the pictures the cabinets the charming vista which harmonized with the prospect of the summer afternoon resembling it by a long brightness with great demands and old chairs that figured hours of rest such a place as that had the added merit of giving those who came into it plenty to talk about miss fancourt sat down with her new acquaintance on a flowered sofa the cushions of which very numerous were tight ancient cubes of many sizes and presently said i'm so glad to have a chance to thank you to thank me he had to wonder i liked your book so much i think it's splendid she sat there smiling at him and he never asked himself which book she meant for after all he had written three or four that seemed a vulgar detail and he wasn't even gratified by the idea of the pleasure she told him her handsome bright face told him he had given her the feeling she appealed to or at any rate the feeling she excited was something larger something that had little to do with any quickened pulsation of his own vanity it was responsive admiration of the life she embodied the young purity and richness of which appeared to imply that real success was to resemble that to live to bloom to present the perfection of a fine type not to have hammered out headachy fancies with a bent back at an ink-stained table while her grey eyes rested on him there was a widish space between these and the division of her rich-coloured hair so thick that it ventured to be smooth made a free arch above them he was almost ashamed of that exercise of the pen which it was her present inclination to commend he was conscious he should have liked better to please her in some other way the lines of her face were those of a woman grown but the child lingered on in her complexion and in the sweetness of her mouth above all she was natural that was indubitable now more natural than he had supposed at first perhaps on account of her aesthetic toggery which was conventionally unconventional suggesting what he might have called a tortuous spontaneity he had feared that sort of thing in other cases and his fears had been justified for though he was an artist to the essence the modern reactionary nymph with the brambles of the woodland caught in her folds and a look as if the satyrs had toyed with her hair made him shrink not as a man of starch and patent leather but as a man potentially himself a poet or even a fawn the girl was really more candid than her costume and the best proof of it was her supposing her liberal character suited any uniform this was a fallacy since if she was draped as a pessimist he was sure she liked the taste of life he thanked her for her appreciation aware at the same time that he didn't appear to thank her enough and that she might think him ungracious he was afraid she would ask him to explain something he had written and he always winced at that perhaps too timidly 
for to his own ear the explanation of a work of art sounded fatuous but he liked her so much as to feel a confidence that in the long run he should be able to show her he wasn't rudely evasive moreover she surely wasn't quick to take offence wasn't irritable she could be trusted to wait so when he said to her ah don't talk of anything i've done don't talk of it here there's another man in the house who's the actuality when he uttered this short sincere protest it was with the sense that she would see in the words neither mock humility nor the impatience of a successful man bored with praise you mean mr st george isn't he delightful paul overt met her eyes which had a cool morning light that would have half broken his heart if he hadn't been so young i only admire him at a distance oh you must know him he wants so to talk to you returned miss fancourt who evidently had the habit of saying things that by her quick calculation would give people pleasure paul saw how she would always calculate on everything's being simple between others i shouldn't have supposed he knew anything about me he professed he does then everything and if he didn't i should be able to tell him to tell him everything our friend smiled you talk just like the people in your book she answered then they must all talk alike she thought a moment not a bit disconcerted well it must be so difficult mr st george tells me it is terribly i've tried too and i find it so i've tried to write a novel mr st george oughtn't to discourage you paul went so far as to say you do much more when you wear that expression well after all why try to be an artist the young man pursued it's so poor so poor i don't know what you mean said miss fancourt who looked grave i mean as compared with being a person of action as living your works but what's art but an intense life if it be real she asked i think it's the only one everything else is so clumsy her companion laughed and she brought out with her charming serenity what next struck her it's so interesting to meet so many celebrated people so i should think but surely it isn't new to you why i've never seen anyone anyone living always in asia the way she talked of asia somehow enchanted him but doesn't that continent swarm with great figures haven't you administered provinces in india and had captive rajahs and tributary princes chained to your car it was as if she didn't care even should he amuse himself at her cost i was with my father after i left school to go out there it was delightful being with him we're alone together in the world he and i but there was none of the society i liked best one never heard of a picture never of a book except bad ones never of a picture why wasn't all life a picture she looked over the delightful place where they sat nothing to compare to this i adore england she cried it fairly stirred in him the sacred chord ah of course i don't deny that we must do something with her poor old dear yet she hasn't been touched really said the girl did mr st george say that there was a small and as he felt harmless spark of irony in his question which however she answered very simply not noticing the insinuation yes he says england hasn't been touched not considering all there is she went on eagerly he's so interesting about our country to listen to him makes one want so to do something it would make me want to said paul overt feeling strongly on the instant the suggestion of what she said 
and that of the emotion with which she said it and well aware of what an incentive on st george's lips such a speech might be oh you as if you hadn't i should like so to hear you talk together she added ardently that's very genial of you but he'd have it all his own way i'm prostrate before him she had an air of earnestness do you think then he's so perfect far from it some of his later books seem to me of a queerness yes yes he knows that paul overt stared that they seem to me of a queerness well yes or at any rate that they're not what they should be he told me he didn't esteem them he has told me such wonderful things he's so interesting there was a certain shock for paul overt in the knowledge that the fine genius they were talking of had been reduced to so explicit a confession and had made it in his misery to the first comer for though miss fancourt was charming what was she after all but an immature girl encountered at a country house yet precisely this was part of the sentiment he himself had just expressed he would make way completely for the poor peccable great man not because he didn't read him clear but altogether because he did his consideration was half composed of tenderness for superficialities which he was sure their perpetrator judged privately judged more ferociously than any one and which represented some tragic intellectual secret he would have his reasons for his psychology a fleur de peau and these reasons could only be cruel ones such as would make him dearer to those who already were fond of him you excite my envy i have my reserves i discriminate but i love him paul said in a moment and seeing him for the first time this way is a great event for me how momentous how magnificent cried the girl how delicious to bring you together you're doing it that makes it perfect our friend returned he's as eager as you she went on but it's so odd you shouldn't have met it's really not so odd as it strikes you i've been out of england so much made repeated absences all these last years she took this in with interest and yet you write of it as well as if you were always here it's just the being away perhaps at any rate the best bits i suspect are those that were done in dreary places abroad and why were they dreary because they were health resorts where my poor mother was dying your poor mother she was all sweet wonder we went from place to place to help her get better but she never did to the deadly riviera i hate it to the high alps to algiers and far away a hideous journey to colorado and she isn't better miss fancourt went on she died a year ago really like mine only that's years since some day you must tell me about your mother she added he could at first on this only gaze at her what right things you say if you say them to st george i don't wonder he's in bondage it pulled her up for a moment i don't know what you mean he doesn't make speeches and professions at all he isn't ridiculous i'm afraid you consider then that i am no i don't she spoke it rather shortly and then she added he understands understands everything the young man was on the point of saying jocosely and i don't is that it but these words in time changed themselves to others slightly less trivial do you suppose he understands his wife miss fancourt made no direct answer but after a moment's hesitation put it isn't she charming not in the least here he comes 
Now you must know him, she went on. A small group of visitors had gathered at the other end of the gallery, and had been there overtaken by Henry St. George, who strolled in from a neighbouring room. He stood near them a moment, not falling into the talk, but taking up an old miniature from a table and vaguely regarding it. At the end of a minute he became aware of Miss Fancourt and her companion in the distance, whereupon, laying down his miniature, he approached them with the same procrastinating air, his hands in his pockets and his eyes turned, right and left, to the pictures. The gallery was so long that this transit took some little time, especially as there were a moment when he stopped to admire the fine Gainsborough. "'He says Mrs. St. George has been the making of him,' the girl continued, in a voice slightly lowered. "'Ah, he's often obscure,' Paul laughed. "'Obscure,' she repeated, as if she heard it for the first time. Her eyes rested on her other friend, and it wasn't lost upon Paul that they appeared to send out great shafts of softness. "'He's going to speak to us,' she fondly breathed. There was a sort of rapture in her voice, and our friend was startled. "'Bless my soul, does she care for him like that? Is she in love with him?' he mentally inquired. "'Didn't I tell you he was eager?' she had meanwhile asked of him. "'It's eagerness dissimulated,' the young man returned, as the subject of their observation lingered before his Gainsborough. He edges toward us shyly. Does he mean that she saved him by burning that book? That book? What book did she burn? The girl quickly turned her face to him. Hasn't he told you, then? Not a word. Then he doesn't tell you everything. Paul had guessed that she pretty much supposed he did. The great man had now resumed his course and come nearer in spite of which his more qualified admirer risked a profane observation. St. George and the Dragon is what the anecdote suggests. His companion, however, didn't hear it. She smiled at the Dragon's adversary. He is eager, he is, she insisted. Eager for you, yes. But meanwhile she had called out, I am sure you want to know, Mr. Overt. You'll be great friends, and it will always be delightful to me to remember I was here when you first met, and that I had something to do with it." There was a freshness of intention in the words that carried them off. Nevertheless, our young man was sorry for Henry St. George, as he was sorry at any time for any person publicly invited to be responsive and delightful. He would have been so touched to believe that a man he deeply admired should care a straw for him, that he wouldn't play with such a presumption if it were possibly vain. In a single glance of the eye of the pardonable master he read, having the sort of divination that belonged to his talent, that this personage had ever a store of friendly patience, which was part of his rich outfit, but was versed in no printed page of a rising scribbler. There was even a relief, a simplification in that. Liking him so much already for what he had done, how could one have liked him any more for a perception which must at the best have been vague? Paul Overt got up, trying to show his compassion, but at the same instant he found himself encompassed by St. George's happy personal art, a manner of which it was the essence to conjure away false positions. It all took place in a moment. Paul was conscious that he knew him now, conscious of his handshake, and of the very quality of his hand, of his face seen nearer and consequently seen better, of a general fraternizing assurance, and in particular of the circumstance that St. George didn't dislike him, as yet at least, for being imposed by a charming but too gushing girl, 
attractive enough without such danglers. No irritation at any rate was reflected in the voice with which he questioned Miss Fancourt as to some project of a walk, a general walk of the company round the park. He had soon said something to Paul about a talk. We must have a tremendous lot of talk. There are so many things, aren't there? But our friend could see this idea wouldn't in the present case take very immediate effect. All the same, he was extremely happy, even after the matter of the walk had been settled. The three presently passed back to the other part of the gallery, where it was discussed with several members of the party. Even when, after they had all gone out together, he found himself for half an hour conjoined with Mrs. St. George. Her husband had taken the advance with Miss Fancourt, and this pair were quite out of sight. It was the prettiest of rambles for a summer afternoon, a grassy circuit of immense extent skirting the limit of the park within. The park was completely surrounded by its old mottled but perfect red wall, which all the way on their left constituted in itself an object of interest. Mrs. St. George mentioned to him the surprising number of acres thus enclosed, together with numerous other facts relating to the property and the family, and the family's other properties. She couldn't too strongly urge on him the importance of seeing their other houses. She ran over the names of these, and rang the changes on them with the facility of practice, making them appear an almost endless list. She had received Paul Overt very amiably on his breaking ground with her by the mention of his joy in having just made her husband's acquaintance, and struck him as so alert and so accommodating a little woman that he was rather ashamed of his mot about her to Miss Fancourt, though he reflected that a hundred other people on a hundred occasions would have been sure to make it. He got on with Mrs. St. George, in short, better than he expected but this didn't prevent her suddenly becoming aware that she was faint with fatigue and must take her way back to the house by the shortest cut. She professed that she hadn't the strength of a kitten and was a miserable wreck, a character he had been too preoccupied to discern in her while he wondered in what sense she could be held to have been the making of her husband. He had arrived at a glimmering of the answer when she announced that she must leave him, though this perception was of course provisional. While he was in the very act of placing himself at her disposal for the return, the situation underwent a change. Lord Masham had suddenly turned up, coming back to them, overtaking them, emerging from the shrubbery. Overt could scarcely have said how he appeared. And Mrs. St. George had protested that she wanted to be left alone and not to break up the party. A moment later she was walking off with Lord Masham. Our friend fell back and joined Lady Watermouth to whom he presently mentioned that Mrs. St. George had been obliged to renounce the attempt to go further. "'She oughtn't to have come out at all,' her ladyship rather grumpily remarked. "'Is she so very much of an invalid?' "'Very bad, indeed,' and his hostess added with still greater austerity. "'She oughtn't really to come to one.' He wondered what was implied by this and presently gathered that it was not a reflection on the lady's conduct or her moral nature. It only represented that her strength was not equal to her aspirations. End of chapter 2